0: grace and help, and uh, as long as His Spirit continues to lead such, a new series that I've entitled, God's Dream. God's Dream, and I want to talk to you about our Relentless Father, our Relentless Father. Our text is found in the book of John, the 17th chapter, so if you'd like to join me there I'll be reading from the new King James Bible which I've not done in about ten years (laughs) starting in verse 20 John chapter 17 and verse 20 I do not pray for these alone now real quick the background the first six verses Jesus prays regarding his personal relationship with the father The next 15 verses, he prays uh, for his 12 disciples. Actually, 11, he had lost one, and he mentions that in this prayer. Then, starting in verse 20, he begins to pray for all of you. I do not pray for these alone, meaning his disciples, his, his 12, his disciples that followed him, but also... For those who will believe in me through their word. Well, I wasn't there. I didn't hear them preach. Oh, every time you pick up your Bible, you're, you're being affected by their words, the original disciples. <coughs> that they say, that's me may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also might be one in us. We're going to find out that that's the very foundation of God's dream. That the world may believe that you sent me. Notice, when we get straight, when we get a revelation of God's dream, it will affect the whole world. This is evangelism 101. When you get the dream of God right, it will affect everybody else around you, their families, their associations. You won't have to preach hell, damnation, and the like you'll just be able to express, mirror the glory, the the presence of the Father, and people will come to him. When you get God's dream right, everything else falls in place. That the world may believe that you sent me, verse 22, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. know I I was questioning the Lord about that just some quick commentary Lord we're not very one in the body of Christ I I mean the body of Christ you know there's a lot of gainsaying and bashing and you know stuff going on right now in the press and media and across our country uh, due to this recent election and How things are going and what side of that you come down on. Hey, folks, that's nothing compared to what's been going on in the body of Christ for hundreds of years divisions, splits, things we say against each other, judgments, unloving things. And here Jesus prayed that we would be one. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I'm not talking about opinions, I'm not talking about doctrine. I'm talking about what God did in Jesus for all humanity when he made them one. Verse 23, we are one in them and you and me that they may be perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and that I have loved them as you have loved me. Do you know that Jesus loves you as much as he loves the Father? Yep. Sila. Yes. Yes. Pause. Consider. Jesus loves you as much as he loves his Father God. Wow. In this series, we're going to be talking about. The Relentless God, It's Not About Your Kingdom, The Real Path to Peace, Full-On Passionate Love for Jesus, Uncommon Intimacy, these are some of the titles that the Holy Spirit's been breathing. That This series is built around the idea that to discover your true passion, purpose, and fulfillment in life is not wrapped up in chasing your dreams, but in reflecting and fulfilling his. May I just say to you that John chapter 1, which we're, we're going to be going to now for the rest of the morning, is God's dream. If you want a description of God's dream, it's John's gospel, chapter one. And to help you discern the depth of the original language and the times and the culture and all of that, please do yourself a favor. And this week, download the Mirror Bible app. Now do yourself a favor. You can order it from Amazon and get the paper back. That's good, but you need to know something. And we were just with Francois Dutois, the author, week before last. Last week, we were with Francois Dutoit. So that's the author of the Mirror Bible. And what he's put in print is not his latest translation or renderings of the scripture, New Testament, it's all New Testament. There's nothing rendered or translated yet from the old. It's not the latest of the things that he has translated to date. If you get the mobile app and download that from your app store, you will have the benefit that relatively soon, as soon as he retranslates or adds or puts in new footnotes, Or translates new books of the New Testament, you will get that in the app. And it could be a year or two before you get that in print. Word to the wise. So let's begin with a big idea here God and Jesus were successful. That's so good. (laughs) They were successful. So many of us live like God and Jesus weren't successful. I really believe that what God had in his heart when the Trinity got together and decided to die for humankind, and then when Jesus said, yes, and I'll go and sacrifice my life for all of humanity, that God so loved the world that he gave. And verse 17 after verse 16 of John 3 says that, and God was in Jesus Christ not judging the world but that the world through him would be saved. I really believe God was successful. Let's pay attention now. It's too easy to get distracted. Is it really that important? Huh? Let's focus on the word here. I mean, seriously, it's just, I'm not trying to be hard-nosed. I'm just saying, if you're so easily distracted over something like that, uh, uh, so goes our week when God's trying to speak to us. Contrary to Hollywood, magazines, books, the media, or religion, God is not angry with you. He's not mad at you. John 17, verse 3, from the mere Bible. Watch this. This life of the ages invites them to engage in the inexhaustible adventure of knowing you, the only true God and Jesus as the Christ. Have you ever reached a place in your walk where you felt like Christianity was becoming boring, reading your Bible was just, you know, it was everything you could do to get to it, and and, uh, maybe you didn't even want to go to church? Whenever you are feeling that, You've come to a place of flesh that now is outside of glory and the revelation of your true identity in Jesus. Because if we really have an identity of who we are in Christ, this thing is inexhaustible. You will never reach a place where you so know the Bible, are so familiar with church and worship, are just so familiar with Christianity that it becomes boring. Some of these songs this morning, all right? I mean, it, it, the first one was 25 minutes, but <laughs> I mean, how many times have we heard that song? And yet this morning, it was fresh. This morning, God was speaking something to us fresh. It's inexhaustible what happens in our lives when the Holy Spirit comes and illuminates something he is saying from the Bible, something he wants to tell you in your walk that day. You may have heard it a dozen times before, but the Holy Spirit illuminates it and makes it fresh. It's inexhaustible this knowledge of God. And so verse three, Jesus is praying. This is a prairie spring. And he says, "This life of the ages invites them to engage in the inexhaustible adventure of knowing." christ kevin knows a little bit about this word adventure because he's been building for the last several years a a business for especially young people and young adults to go on adventures getaways up into the mountains where they engage nature and float down streams and climb rocks and Eat together and pray together and challenge one another in life's business and living together. I love that whole thing, Kevin. But imagine that becoming boring. Imagine that becoming just so-so. Not really interested in going with Kevin this year because it's just, you know, we've done this a dozen times before, I, I know what he's going to do, I know what he's going to say. See, some of you do that with church service. I know what it's going to be like, you know, I know who's going to be there, you know, pa- pastor, uh, you know, he's okay, but you know, we need a fresh revelation. We need something newer, fresher. And that's, that's when you got to stop and realize Something's gotta be adjusted in your revelation of this inexhaustible adventure that comes from knowing the Christ, really knowing him. Last week I shared a verse of scripture with you that I wanna to return to real quick as we're setting the stage for the rest of the morning. You say, wow, this is just your intro? Yeah, somewhere in here we're gonna stop and go home, but we're, we're good for now, <laughs> I've got a little bit. Listen to this. Watch this now. Listen. I think we're going to have it on the screen, aren't we, Jeff? Luke. Okay. It's already up there, isn't it? So they're already reading ahead, aren't they? So what that means now is you're going to read it out loud with me. Would you? Okay. Ready? Read. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save. Now, let me tell you what we all just did when we read that. Jesus came to save me. Doctrine, theology, Bible, Sunday school, right? Let's say it again. Ready, read. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That doesn't say, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells you. It doesn't say that. It also doesn't say that Jesus came to save you. It says, specifically, that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Not those. There's a difference. Now, I submit to you that that which was includes those who were but that which was is a whole lot bigger than those who were. Something happened when Adam and Eve turned over, abdicated in the garden. Something happened that changed the entire universe. It was cataclysmic. That entrance of evil and that entrance of, listen, more importantly, it, you know, we get all hung up in this serpent appearing and tempting them with an apple and, you know, talking to the woman and deceiving her. And, and you know, then they fell. And, and all of that's a lot of Sunday school and it's a, it, it reeks with religion and a, and a lot of it's, you know. Did, did you know that the serpent that appeared there walked on two legs, by the way? He was upright. Remember the curse? When God cursed the man, cursed the woman as a result of the sin, and then cursed the serpent, he cursed the serpent too. What was the curse on the serpent? From now on, you are going to? So from before that, he, he wasn't crawling. He walked upright. He was an incredible, beautiful creature that the idea, the seed thought came through. Listen. Has God said He knows you lack something and that you still need something. And it's in this tree. What was the tree called? The knowledge of good and both good, the knowledge of good as well as the knowledge of evil. And so we even as believers today in our religious selves spend our lives judging everything and everyone by whether or not it measures up to a moral list of good. And therein is the whole basis of the fall. Satan got Adam and Eve to question their identity, to tell them they were incomplete and that their completeness would come by judging good and evil. That was the birth of religion. And Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. To completely do away with religion, to do away with judging things on the basis of good and evil and to bring us back into oneness with the Father where we just live out of his spirit daily, walking in his life, walking in oneness with the Father. Jeff, if we could please that first slide. Let's go to John's Gospel now, chapter 1. John's Gospel, chapter 1, and I have these verses from the Mirror Translation on the screen, and so uh, due to the difference, because this is a paraphrase, it probably won't help you to follow along in your own Bible, aside from making notes next to the passages of things that we discuss. John 1. Verse one, to go back to the very beginning is to find the word already present there, face to face with God. The word is, I am. God's eloquence echoes and concludes in him. The word equals God. Now for so long, I read that and was taught, literally taught. In fact, I mean, I am a Bible school graduate. And I was taught in Bible school that that passage is talking about this. You see what I'm holding up? For those of you watching. By the way, we have people watching now in Spain, in the Bahamas, and from Australia. Isn't that cool? However, this verse 1 is not talking about this. This did not come until 350 years after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And yet verse 1 is talking about where? Thank you. I'm not trying to trick you. In the beginning was the, not the Bible, Jesus Jesus himself stood face to face with the Father in the beginning. And there there was this holy, divine dance going on. It was three-dimensional, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he created Adam and Eve out of that desire to fellowship with a being and insert that being into the dance. And they took themselves out of the dance by questioning that everything they needed wasn't in the dance with the Trinity. It was something else, something else they needed, and they believed a lie. Do you understand that when the scripture says in Luke, that he came to seek and to save that which was. It's not just a personal salvation message. He's talking about restoring all of human creation back to the dance with the Trinity that began before the ages, before there was ever a Bible, before the Bible ever told you about Jesus and that you needed to receive him and and that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved in the heart of God. He saw you in God's mind. He planned for your existence and said, I'm going to send my son to redeem them back into the divine dance with father, son and Holy Ghost. Mm. Now you can see why I've been dreaming. (laughs) I told my wife the other day, I said, now there's one problem with this. We were talking about the dreams and the the increase and all that. And she said, well, that's cool. That must be prophetic. (laughs) You know, prophets do that. You know, everything's prophetic. Everything. (laughs) And so I I was walking off from our conversation down the hall and I turned around and I said, there's one thing wrong with this dreaming thing. She said, Yeah, what's that? And I said, The scripture says, Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see vision. I said, I'm not sure I like that. Now, get her response, not, Oh, honey, but in my eyes, you're, it wasn't, Yeah, but you're just as young as the first. It was, Well, you know, you are 58. <laughs> Nothing like a spouse to keep you centered, grounded. You know that's why God gave us marriage. It is not for fulfillment.
1: Anybody married knows that's
0: not true. It's to keep you centered, to keep you grounded in some of the basics like seeking God, patience, that love is a decision, it's not an emotion. You know, all of these basics. Christian principles you, you see I, I think we have this idea that the incarnation of Jesus is when he began it's a nice story Jesus loves me this I know for the Bible and and so Jesus really doesn't go back any further than this and this is where we learned about him and this is where you know if we don't read this we won't know him and well how about all the people who don't have this how about all the cultures who don't have a bindery and a print press and can't put these letters in a book and publish it what are they going to do Well, I guess it's still Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, not Father, Son, and Holy Bible. And I love my Bible, and I'm a conservative, and I'm an evangelical, and these words are truth. They are the foundation and basis of all we believe and practice. We'll never get away from that. But dear ones, there is a Holy Spirit. And he leads us to the Christ. And he reveals to us our identity through Jesus. And he teaches us all things, even when there wasn't a Bible. By the way, that was written in a letter. He will teach you all things before it was ever bound and put in what we call a Bible. The truth existed. The Holy Spirit's going to lead you and teach you in all things and remind you of what I have said to you. What time is it? Boy, we are not even going to get through. I'm glad I didn't give you a handout. You'd be saying, wow, we're, we're not even... We're on verse 1. <laughs> wow, See, Jesus said, before Abraham was, I... Damn. Not I was. Yeah, I am. Did you ever consider why he said... Before Abraham was, speaking of Abraham's natural birth, and of course the entire Jewish nation knew exactly what he was saying, and of course the whole Jewish religion and their culture and everything is based, it's founded on Father Abraham. I mean, that's holy, that's sacred, and Jesus went right to it and challenged it in the deepest way he could and said, before your father, before your religious system, before all that you hold precious and believe about God in Father Abraham, before before that was, I am. And they knew exactly what he was saying when he said that was not a mistake. That's not a syntax error. You know, that's not punctuation. That's not, whoops, hit the wrong key on the computer. He was saying the name of God. Because when God came to Moses, what did he tell him? Moses said, what am I going to tell Pharaoh? Pharaoh. When I go and, and say and request, I want to take our people, we're leaving here. Who do I tell them sent me? <laughs> and do you remember what God said to him? I tell them, am. I am. Mm. <laughs> now, here's the cool thing. When God said that, tell him tell them I am sent you. You were there. You were there. You were were right there. In Christ, in God's heart, in God's mind, you were part of the I am. See, before something can be lost, it has to first belong. Oh, we'll go there later. All right. All right, verse 3. The logos is the source. Everything commences in him. He remains the exclusive parent reference to their existence. There is nothing original except the word. The logic of God defines the only possible place where humankind can trace their genesis. That is the word. And and so see, we're not talking about Jesus loves me, and human birth and all of that, because human birth alone only gets you, I didn't really want this kid. Gets you, well, I wish you were like your sister. I wish you were like your brother. Mm. Anybody, huh? Anybody raised with that? You know what that is? Judgment, living out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when, you, when your whole basis for your identity is in your natural parenthood, I, I mean, it's no wonder we grow up with such brokenness in our lives. My identity is not tied to my parents. My identity is tied to I am. Yes. Yeah, I began back with the I am. I flow out of his loins. Verse 9 tells us about a new day for humanity get this tape it'll get get this it'll be up on the internet re-listen to it because you're not going to get it all this morning verse 9 a new day for humanity has come this is jesus a new day remember we're talking chapter one of john is the dream of god A new day for humanity has come. The authentic light of life that illuminates everyone was about to dawn in the world. So what are we saying? This day would begin our calendar and record the fact that human history would forever be divided into before Christ and after Christ. Isn't that amazing that this event determined the entire human calendar and has for all of the ages since before Christ and after Christ. That's a pretty big deal. Jesus made a difference. I think Jesus was successful. I think God's plan worked. I really do. And the incarnation would finally make the image of God visible in human form. When when you see Jesus in these pages, when you read about Jesus in these pages, you're reading about God. You're seeing God. You're seeing his character. You're seeing his exact DNA. You're seeing who God is. Verse 11, it was not as though he arrived on a foreign planet. He came to his own yet his own did not recognize him. How many of you know the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and everything on the earth belongs to the Lord? I'm sorry, Adam and Eve may have abdicated their authority and their part, but remember, Jesus came to seek and to save that which was the earth and everything in it is still the Lord's. He birthed it. It came out of the I am, and it's still his today. Quit calling it evil. And I, heard, <laughs> I heard somebody. <laughs> Say quietly to themselves, and yes, thank God for those grapes that we can crush and turn into wine, just like Jesus did. That wine is holy. Hallelujah. Just had a glass last night. Hallelujah. <laughs> I just heard that. I, I don't know why I don't know where it came from Now in, in verse 11. It talks about those who would recognize him. They didn't recognize him. This word recognize means close proximity with the suggestion of union of place of residence to have sprung out of the author or the giver. See, I used to always read that as they didn't recognize him because they were sinful and they didn't want him and so they turned their back on him. But that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about how that when Jesus came, he didn't come to a foreign planet, this place is his. And the people that existed at that time that were on the earth didn't recognize him because they chose to believe their religious mosaic system over the revelation of the Christ. And so they couldn't possibly imagine God as a loving being who came to embrace them and bring them back into fellowship and into the divine dance with the Trinity. And they said, you are not of us. You reject our laws. You teach against our laws. So we reject you. And what they were rejecting is the very place of their origin. Verse 12. Everyone who realizes their association in him, convinced that he is their original life and that his name defines them, God gives them the assurance that they are indeed his offspring, begotten of him he sanctions the legitimacy of their sonship how many of you learned verse 12 in Sunday school I mean it was and if you've ever evangelized if you've gone on the street if you've gone knocking on doors if you've ever been in class 101 of how to share your faith you learned verse 12 right for as many help me King James for as many as received him to them he gave the right to become the children of God even those who believe on his name problem Sila. greek language culture revelation of god's nature needed the word often translated to receive as in to as many as received him means to take into hand to comprehend to grasp to identify with This word suggests that even though he came to his own, there are those who did not identify with their true origin revealed in him. And like the many Pharisees, they behave like the children of a foreign father, the father of lies. You remember when Jesus called Satan the father of lies? You are like your father, you're behaving like your father, the father of lies, but that wasn't their origin. Their origin was that of the begotten. They were begotten of God, but something happened that ripped them out of the divine dance that took them out of the loins of God, and Jesus came with the prophetic word, I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. Neither God's legitimate fatherhood of mankind his ownership is in question here mankind's indifference to their true origin is the problem this is what the gospel is all about dear ones this is the good news with clarity that jesus came to redeem that which was which includes those who were So Jesus has come to introduce mankind to themselves again. Humanity has forgotten what manner of person they are by design. You see, we forget what manner of person we are by God's design. And so we call ourselves evil. We call ourselves ashamed. We call ourselves unworthy. We call ourselves beneath. We call ourselves ungifted. We call ourselves not able. Remember, Numbers 33, or chapter 13, verse 33? We are like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in theirs, and they didn't go up and possess because they didn't believe in their original design. The word to become children, here in verse 12, when it says to as many as received them to them he be, he gave the right to become the children of god that means to generate Now, this is important because many translations translate this verse in such a way that it suggests that God's ability to make us his sons can only work or be in response to something we have to do first to trigger God into action. We learned last week regarding the covenant that God cut with all of humanity, the promise, as we called it, Doesn't rely on me. In fact, when God got ready to cut that covenant with Abraham, what did he do with Abraham? Put Abraham to sleep. And God himself walked through the animal parts, cutting a covenant with himself. So that it wouldn't depend on you, your faith, your good works, or anything else. Our relationship with God, our redemption back into the divine dance has nothing to do with my moral behavior or even in me saying the prayer. How many of you were taught you need to say the prayer? (laughs) Well, even Paul didn't preach that. Nowhere in the Pauline gospel can you find where you need to repent and say a prayer. Repent of all your sins, get out the list, go through them, and say a prayer. Paul said it this way If you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, and you confess with your mouth, Jesus is my Lord. I th- I'm sorry? 97 years old, 97 years old, Romans 10, 9 and 10, learned it in Sunday school, learned it in all our religious services, but we also attach things to that now, you've got to get out your moral list, you've got to repent of all your sins, you've got to pray the prayer so that you receive Jesus, oh, and then afterwards, you've got to go to church, you've got to sing in the choir, you've got to do good works, you've got to, you know... And so we've attached all this stuff in becoming his children and he never asked your opinion, never asked your input, never came to us and said, hey, how do you think this ought to work? He made us his kids. He redeemed what was lost and did it with glory. Well, I don't know about you, but this just, (laughs) I could park here, I think, the rest of my life. And just keep studying just this revelation from John in chapter one. Can you see, can you see how God is chasing you? Can you see how God is coming and he's, he's saying, you know, you you are, you are why I am relentless. You are why I am chasing you. Thank you, brother. Can't you see? How many of you know what relentless means? If somebody's relentless, what are they? Huh? Uh, Driven. Okay. Pursuing. What else? Determined. Yeah. Never stop. Who else? If someone's relentless. Driven. Yeah. Driven. Twice. Committed. Passionate. Why the Holy Spirit had us pray, you know, interrupt our dispassion. (laughs) God loves you. And that love means he's going to relentlessly chase you. Never gives up. Perfect. And you know the R word we use more than... You know, we never really think about how that God chases us and he's relentless. We, we always think about what we need to do. I mean, to as many as received him, that takes a prayer. I mean, we have to get with the program here. I call it the R word, reluctant, the reluctant God. I mean, he really doesn't want you to be saved, but if you'll do these things, he'll save you. Okay, stick, stick with... Our grasping, which is the word realize, is simply the awakening of our being to the fact that our genesis is already completed in the word. We're not waiting to get there. We don't have to say the prayer. Our genesis as his sons is completed in the word and what he did when God cut a covenant and made a promise. And it says he's given to us something, something that already belonged to us. When it says that to all who receive him, to them he gives the power. That word give there means he actually delivers to you something that was already yours, not something you didn't have. The fact that they are already his own, born from above, and that they have their beginning and their being in him is now confirmed in realizing it. And so we become convinced. Questioning that interpretation of that? How about this? Ephesians chapter 3, verse 15. Paul said, From whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. From whom, Jesus, the whole family in heaven and on earth is named. We all have his name. We've all been birthed out of his loins. How about this? This is the message translation of this verse 12. He made to be their true selves, their child of God selves. You are God's dream. Now, when God dropped that in my spirit this week and said, Don't chase your dreams, chase mine. I have a dream, fulfill it. I got out my concordance and I started looking. There must be dozens of scriptures on the word dream, you know. There weren't. And the ones that had the word dream in it had nothing to do with God's dream, but for instance, Joseph's dreams in Genesis where Joseph dreamed, you know, and, and he upset his his family members and they sold him into slavery, things like that. All had to do with visions and dreams and Joseph's dreams. And it had nothing to do with God's dream. And I said, well, Lord, I, I know I heard you. And then I got an idea. I wonder if Francois... <laughs> I wonder if Francois, who's a Hebrew and Greek scholar, may have found something in the Greek language that was missing from my standard translation. Listen. Verse 13, chapter 1 of John. These are the ones who discover their genesis in God beyond their natural conception. This is not about our blood lineage or whether we were wanted or unwanted as a child. This is about our God-begottenness. We are his dream come true and not the invention of our parents. You are indeed the greatest idea God ever had. Wow! <laughs> I don't know about you, but I want to fulfill God's dream. I'm not interested in chasing my own. I want to fulfill his. I think he was successful. (laughs) Let's chase his dream.